So we're going to continue on in our little series called Abound. And this morning I want to talk about abounding with hope. Abounding in hope. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. To give you hope in your final outcome. Amen? Amen. Then over in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, looking at the Amplified, it says, May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing and bubbling over with hope. That is my hope for your life. That you would abound in hope. That you would be copiously supplied and teeming over with hope. Now some of the gauges that our hope is alive and our hope is active are joy and peace. Amen? And also we must be in faith for this abounding hope to be bubbling over in our life. You see, in the world... Hope quickly runs out. But there is abounding hope available to you and to me, for we are believers. And somebody says, yeah, but pastor, I don't have a lot of hope right now. I'm hurting. Well, I believe that by the end of this morning, you're going to get your hope reactivated. Amen? Amen. One, One person said this many years ago, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Desmond Tutu said this. He said that hope is being able to see that there is light despite of all of the darkness. There is light. Amen? God is light. The entrance of his word gives light. And we are the light of the world. So what is this hope? Hope is simply having a confident, favorable expectation. Expectation of something desirable that is based on the Word of God. The Greek definition for hope is to be confidently and intensely expectant, to be looking forward to something that you fully expect to happen. How many of you are believing God, glory to God, for something good to happen in your life? Your expectation, you're looking favorably at your future with a smile on your face. And so here's what I've discovered about hope. Abounding hope is a major key to everyday blessing or to the blessed life. So I want to exhort you this morning to be earnest in your expectations. Now, how many of you enjoyed that song, Turnaround, this morning? Well, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about turnaround. I believe... That those who will keep their hope alive, it's turnaround time. You don't need to turn there, but let me just read to you what was happening in the Apostle Paul's life. He was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. And you know something? He did not lose hope because he had a confident, earnest expectation. In the book of Philippians, and I'll find it here in a moment... It says in verse uh, 19 in chapter 1, he says, For I know 
that this shall turn to my salvation. In other words, I'm in bad shape right now, but I know it's going to turn around. Now, things may look bad right now, but you just hold on. Glory to God. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. For I know that this uh, shall turn to my salvation through your through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, notice with me, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Paul knew that he was not alone. Paul had the revelation that Jesus Christ was in him and that Jesus was the hope of glory. But he also knew that he had a company of believers that were bringing their supply of prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he says, I have an earnest expectation that it won't be long before these prison doors are opening up for me. And so I want to encourage you to be earnest in your expectations. You see, much of what we experience in our lives is in direct proportion to what we earnestly expect. The word earnest means to be ardent in the pursuit of an object. It means to be eager to obtain. It means to have a longing desire. Now, as we know today, Pastor Brenda and I have been here for 34 years And you know, by the grace of God, I believe we're going to be able to make it to 50 years. Glory to God. Uh, But you know, there have been times, quite frankly, that I've wanted to pull the U-Haul truck up on Monday morning and load up and leave town. I just got to be honest about it. Every one of us have felt like quitting. Every one of us on occasion have lost heart, or we could say it this way, we've lost hope. In other words, at one time, our expectations were very high, but because of circumstances, because of situations, hey, the expectation leaked. Now, I've discovered something that the psalmist discovered in Psalms 27, and this is one of the handles on my life. This is one of the things that keeps Brenda and I keep on going strong for the glory of God. So look with me at Psalm 27, and notice with me in verse 13, the 27th Psalm and the 13th verse. And I'll just quote it for you. Well, the King James says, let's read it together. Ready, read. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Another translation says, I would have lost heart unless that I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Does God want his goodness to be seen in this church? Does God want his goodness to be seen in our lives? Absolutely. And so instead of losing heart, we must keep the things that God has placed on the inside of us stirred up and stay in faith and believe, glory to God, that we are going to see God's goodness, God's glory, God's power displayed in a greater way than we ever have before. Somebody shout amen. Amen. And so what this is speaking of is this is speaking of expectation, expecting to see God turn some things around. Are you expecting to see some good things happen in your family? How about in your body? How about in your future? 
Oh, thank you, Lord. And so as you are abounding in hope, hope will anchor your soul. It'll keep you steady and it'll keep you stable in those times where you're tempted to throw up your hands and say, I quit. Hebrews 6 and verse 19 says it like this. Now we have this hope. Say it with me. I have this hope. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. And so he says this abounding hope anchors our soul. An anchor is something that holds an object in place. An anchor, it keeps you from drifting. Hope can keep your soul when turbulent times come to the city of your soul. Hope can keep you from drifting away from what God has placed on the inside of you. Hope can keep you stable. It can keep you anchored in turbulent times. Amen? Amen. And so this abounding hope, this expectation that is stirred in our spirits, glory to God, keeps us anchored. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. The hope... This abounding hope will keep me in a place of rest. It'll hold me steady. And it'll hold my mind in a time of being bombarded by the thoughts of the evil one. How many of you know what to do with the thoughts of the devil? Amen. Do what? Cast, not entertain them? Not sit there and think about them all day? No, the Bible does not say entertain the thoughts of the enemy. But it does say casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now understand this. We must be aware of the dream thieves or of the hope thieves that come to rob us. I want you to look at this verse and... Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and notice with me in verse 35 and in verse 36. True Bible hope will anchor your soul and keep you from casting away your confidence. Now notice with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and verse 36. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Why? For it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Amen. So he instructs us, if we want to be rewarded, if we want to be compensated, if we want things to turn around, we must not fling away our fearless confidence. How many of you know that it pays rich dividends to stay stable and to stand on the Word of God? It pays rich dividends to contend for the things that you are believing for. Now notice in verse 36. I want you to read this with me. Let's go ahead and read it together. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. So that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away 
and enjoy to the full what is promised. Now notice this. Let's just keep this up here for a moment. I have need and you have need of endurance, steadfastness, and patience. How many of you know that patience is what you, it causes you to possess your soul? Luke 29, 19, 19 says, in, in your patience, you will possess your souls. And so being consistent, being steadfast, and enduring will help you fully accomplish the will and the plan of God. Every one of us like to carry away and enjoy to the full the manifestation of the promise. Can I get a witness? But there are not many of us that enjoy the patience part. There's not many people that really want to be patient. Why? Because we live in America. We want what we want, and we want it yesterday. I mean, if we go to McDonald's and it takes too long, we're heading over to Burger King. We live in a very impatient society. We live in the microwave society. You know, I don't like microwave popcorn. I like Brenda's popcorn. I like her buttered popcorn better than Jiffy or whatever. That's peanut butter. And so in your patience, you will possess your souls. In your endurance. In James, the first chapter, let's take a little side journey over there. Look at James chapter 1. And notice with me in this verse of scripture James the first chapter now let me see where'd you go James where did James go not my son ah that's my Sunday school girl there in the front row right behind the book of Hebrews James chapter 1 verse 1 he says James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, tests, and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works what? It works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So, if we will allow endurance and patience and consistency to work in our lives, if we will be consistent at all times, not flinging away our confidence, but holding fast to this hope that God has placed on the inside of us, we will, in fact, be perfect and entire, and we will lack nothing. Did you know it's the will of God for you to be perfect and entire? And to be lacking nada? Lacking nothing. Somebody says, well, I'm not convinced. Well, how about this verse? Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of want. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of care. No, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is something we ought to be saying and verbalizing on a regular basis. Yeah. Try it on for size. Real strong. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord 
is my shepherd, and I shall not, I shall not, I shall not want, I shall not lack, but I shall be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, for that to be real in my life and to be real in your life, we've got to employ patience. We've got to employ endurance. You know, many people that I've seen throughout the years, they got a hold of just enough of the word of faith to make them dangerous. You know, they heard a testimony by brother so-and-so or a testimony by sister so-and-so, and they got just the surface of what they were saying but they didn't look to the root system of what that person had. That person was able to do, was able to give as a result of the root system that they had in their lives. And many people have just taken the surface of testimonies and said, well, I can do that. You know, I can, I can give my car and by tomorrow morning I can have a brand new car. I can, I can give this and I can do that and it's going to presto happen just overnight. How many of you know that God's not into presto? <laughs> and God's not into instant. And so what happens to many of these people as a result of not employing patience and really as a result of not having revelation knowledge about how real Bible faith operates, they tried it instead of doing it. You cannot be a trier of the word and be blessed in your trying. We must be doers of the word and therefore we will be blessed in our doing. So what happens to many people is they try the word, maybe for a week, maybe for two, maybe even for a year or two, but after they don't see all these things come to pass on a regular basis or on an immediate basis, they say, well, there's nothing to the word of faith. Beg your pardon. There's much to the word of faith, but it's got to be operated with diligence. It's got to be seasoned with wisdom, and it must have employment of patience in a person's life. Amen? Amen. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. There are things that we have not yet seen in this church. We've seen sprinkles of them. We've seen moves of God. But there is much more than he wants to do. And in order for that to happen, we must be patient. We must be men and women who endure. Hallelujah. And so in your patience, you will possess your souls. When you employ patience, you will be perfect and entire and you will lack nothing. Now notice in verse 38 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Now the just, what will they live by? The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now there is a stand and there is a fight to this faith walk. And it's not time to quit. It's not time to back down. And it's certainly not time to limit God. So what I'm exhorting you on this morning in this subject on abounding hope is keep your hopes alive. You and I have a living hope. And this lively hope is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is alive in our lives. 
And so maintain then a position, a disposition of expectancy. Listen to this quote. If the pain of your past seems greater than the promise of your future, you need to spend some time with the God of hope. I'm going to say that again. If the pain of your past seems greater than the promise of your future, then you need to spend some time with the God of hope. Spending time with the God of hope will put a promise on the inside of you and a picture on the inside of you of a brighter future than the pain and the hell that you've been through in the past. Now the problem with many people is they can't move out of the past. They live in the past. They dwell on the past. I'm not talking about you. And they rehearse the past. So instead of moving forward in their lives, they're moving in reverse. One person said it like this, you cannot get very far in life when you're constantly looking in the rear view mirror. Let me say that again, because this is, this is something many of you need to think about this morning. If the pain of your past seems greater than the promise of your future, you need to spend some time with the God of hope. In his word, you will have hope. In his presence, you will be inspired with the hopes of God in your life. Here's what Isaiah said it like this. He said, those who wait for the Lord, those who expect and look for and hope in him, here's what will happen. They shall change and renew their strength and power. How many of you could use an exchange of your weakness for his power? How many of you could use an exchange of your able battery for his abundant mighty power? And so one way that this can happen in my life and in your life is by just spending some time just waiting on him. Like Keith Hershey says, spend some time beholding the Lamb of God. Looking unto him, for he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's pull that up in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. And we're going to look at it in the Amplified. It says, those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him. What will they do? They shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They'll run and not be weary. And they'll walk and not faint or become tired. Amen. So let's consider a couple important reasons why we should lift our sights. And we should have a great expectation for our future. We can expect great things because God has given us 
exceeding great and precious promises. Peter said it like this, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature. You know, there's a, there's a short list of the things that God deems precious in the Bible. How about the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? God puts the promises in the same category as Jesus' blood. And so we can expect great things because we've got great and exceeding and precious promises. The psalmist said this. He said, I wait for the Lord and I expectantly wait and in his word do I hope. Say it with me. God's word is the foundation for my expectancy. And so I encourage you. To get filled with the precious promises of God. Amen. Your time in the word is not wasted time. Your time in prayer is not wasted time. Your time waiting and looking to him is not wasted time. Why? Because you're depositing good things in your spirit. And out of the good deposit of your heart, guess what happens? Good things will begin to happen in your life. Amen. Amen. Expectation. Abounding hope. You see, in the world, there is no hope. But in the God of hope and in the word of hope, we are filled with confident, favorable expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so I wait for the Lord. I expectantly wait, and in his word, I do hope. A second reason why we can expect good things in our life simply is because God is God, and he does great things. If you run a word study on the word great or the word greatness, you'll see hundreds of scriptures talking about the greatness of God. For example, in Deuteronomy, he's called the great and awesome God. In Genesis 15, he is the God who gives us exceedingly great rewards. In Psalm 47, he's called the great king. In Hebrews 4, he's the great high priest. In Hebrews 13, he's the great shepherd. In Psalms 145, he's got great mercy. In Psalms 18, he gives great deliverance. In Psalms 19, he gives great rewards. In Psalm 145, he lays up great goodness. In Psalms 86, he performs great wonders. In Psalms 19, he gives great peace. In Psalms 117, he shows great kindness toward us. 138, he has great glory. Lamentations, great is his faithfulness. Matthew 4, he gives great light. Joel 3, his coming day is called great. Mark 4, he brings great great calm to stormy seas. Acts 8, he brings great joy. 4, he gives great grace. 2, he gives us great love. In Hebrews, he has wrought for us a great salvation. And in Revelation, he has prepared for you and I a great city. Woo! Glory to God. 
we got great, exceeding, great and precious promises. And we serve a great God who watches over the Word of God. Who watches over His Word to perform it on your behalf. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And He's about to show Himself strong on your behalf. If you'll not lose your hope. If you'll be abounding over with confident, favorable expectation. Your great God will bring great things to pass in your life. Woo! Glory. And so, what's all the sweat about? He's on the throne. He's living in your heart. And He's a great God. I want to close this morning by giving an altar call. And I want to preface it by one verse. And I would like for you to pull it up if you would, please. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Return. The book of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. It says, return to the stronghold. Everyone say Return to the stronghold. Now this is talking about the Jews when they were in Babylonian captivity. And they're saying now, return to the temple. Return to the place where God dwells. In their case, it was in the temple. Return to the stronghold. You prisoners of hope. I think that's interesting. Even today... I declare, now listen to this, that I will restore double to you. Amen. Say it with me. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double of your former prosperity to you. Now, in, in other words, for them to have double, they had to return. In order, in order for them to come to a place of double for their trouble, which in their case was Babylonian captivity, what did they have to do? They had to return to the stronghold. Now, listen to this statement. Prisoners of hope is an expression used to describe those who had waited a long, long time to return to the temple. Or, bringing it down to 2016, June 26, it's an expression used to describe those who have waited a long time for a specific prayer to be answered. The, pris the word prisoners there, Everyone say prisoners. In this verse is a translation of a Hebrew word which literally means to tie down, to hold down, to bind in order to keep in one place. Now get this. Hope is the prisoner. In other words, we lock 
hope in our hearts and we refuse to allow it to escape. We tie down, we hold fast to this hope that God has given us and we refuse to let go of this abounding hope. Now here's what happens. When hope is released out of a person's life, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The message says it this way, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Oh, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Don't allow your hope to go. Believe for sudden breakthroughs. Lock the promises up in your heart and keep them. So she says, yeah, but the devil's talking. The devil's talking. Never allow the devil to have the last word. You need to speak, declare, voice, talk, verbalize. Praise God what the word of God says. Let us, heart of the bay, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised.